0: Welcome back to the Toffee Blues podcast. We are back for a third week after a very mixed week of results. Of course, we had the loss to Wolves at the weekend quite a few days ago now, so we'll only touch on that briefly. But also, we had the EFL Cup that we've got to digest. We've also got deadline day coming up, so there's plenty uh, to talk about today. Uh, and as always, I am joined by Ellis Nordoff. Ellis, uh, how are you doing, mate?
1: I'm really good, thank you. After last night's win, I'm I'm all good now. We're into the hat, so...
0: Yeah, it felt slightly better. I wasn't. I didn't get to watch all of it myself, uh, but I had the uh, had the notifications coming through, and I was I was very nervous uh, for for long periods of the game. But obviously, the the, the main man, who I'm sure we'll we will get onto, uh, coming on and, and making all the difference. But before we get to that vaguely good news, we do have to start the the weekend just gone. Of course, it it's quite a while ago now, so we're only going to touch on it lightly. But uh, we third game into the Premier League season, we are we are yet to win. Uh, not quite the same as the Fulham game I think it was probably slightly more even maybe edging towards us deserving to win but but once again we, we've lost 1-0 at home and it, and it leaves us without any points this season
1: Yeah, I, I did think we were the better side still I thought we put in another decent performance at home and it just didn't get that goal it's, it's such a shame for us because we have put in two Good performances at home and we just haven't got the points that we deserve from it, which is is frustrating. But obviously, we'll talk about it later, but we have got a goal now, which I think is absolutely huge. But we just needed that one against Wolves and it just didn't come in the end. And then they get one chance and then they beat us. It's so disappointing. But I just hope now, now we've scored one, we can actually score a few more.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the goal we conceded is easily the most disappointing part of the day. It was just a massive lapse in concentration, really. It's come off his shoulder. It was all just a, a, a bit of a mess, really. you never want to see the, the team switch off like that. We've seen, we knew uh, the defense might be slightly shaky after that Villa performance, but we are, we did vaguely tend to be better at home. And once again, it was a, it was a decent performance. It was between two games that were both uh, two teams, sorry, that were both struggling. Neither of us had won yet. I think they had scored a goal, so they were slightly ahead of us, but. Two teams that were, were kind of almost desperate for that win already, and they've come out on the on the winning side, so they're feeling a lot more confident. They've then gone in the AFL Cup this week and won what five nil, bit more of a confidence boost to than our, it than ourselves against Doncaster. But just one of them, really. It was a fairly even game. I think we probably slightly edged it between two sides that needed the win already, and they've we've basically gifted them that goal.
1: Yeah, we frustrate we we limited them to quite a few quite little chances really we frustrated them and we were playing better than them created more chances and then they've just got the sucker punch and it's it's what happens sometimes in football isn't it you know it's disappointing and you just hope that it's obviously the team once again it's kind of a makeshift side because there's so many injuries and that so you just hope that it's not the kind of game that's going to happen many more times this season it's just a case of We're getting into it still early in the season. We've got a lot of injuries and the game just didn't go our way. It's disappointing that it happened back to back, almost identical kind of series of events in the two games. But I just hope that that's it for now. And when we get players back, I think we'll look a completely different side.
0: Yeah, I am am still fairly confident for the season. Uh, we've, We've put ourselves in a tricky position purely because when we look back at the end of the season, if we are in a relegation battle and we see... We've lost at home to Fulham. We've lost at home to Wolves. They're two games that ideally towards the end of the season that, that you want because they will be the teams around the relegation zone. And unfortunately, we, we, we won't get that chance again. You only get that game once a season. We'll now have to go and beat them away. But uh, I mean, we'll have to see how they get on. I mean, Wolves might be okay. Of course, they're selling uh, Mateus Nunes now to to City. And I know he, he didn't exactly set the, set the world alight, but. They've left themselves in a position now where they really haven't got got long to strengthen. Strengthen. I know they're signing Tommy Doyle from City. It's not quite the it's not quite the same level uh, of player, and they've turned over a pretty pretty narrow profit. But uh, that aside, that's that's getting entirely sidetracked for the rest of the season. We don't want to look too far ahead. I mean, I don't want to go on about this for too long because there's just there's not huge amounts to digest that hasn't already been digested this week uh you know we're now recording this on Thursday it'll be going out tomorrow and it'll be deadline day and on deadline day of course everyone's already forgotten about all football. anything about playing football goes absolutely out the window uh, and everyone forgets about that but before we get on to 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 transfers and, and what might happen next, just your final thoughts for from the worlds match.
1: Yeah, I've, I've forgotten quite a lot of it by now to be honest. It has been has been quite a while ago and there wasn't loads to remember from it, but it was just one of them. It's another disappointing defeat at home where we probably didn't get the points that we deserved out of the game and it's just a case of moving on and making sure that we rectify it on Saturday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were given a, an immediate chance to try and rectify it midweek against a team bottom of the Football League. <laughs> you know, 24th in League 2, statistically the worst team uh, in the Football League and of course, we eventually win 2-1, but we definitely didn't make it easy for ourselves. We, I mean, the first half was just diabolical, really. We were we we're all over the place. It, we didn't look like a Premier League side at all. It didn't look like there were three leagues between us and them, four leagues, whatever it is. And I, I know the goal was offside, but I feel like most people just kind of ha- had the feeling, well, they deserve to score anyway. We didn't deserve to get anything for the first half. So it's a weird one. It, it was blatantly offside. If there was VAR, it definitely would have been called offside and we wouldn't have conceded that goal. But maybe gave us a bit of a wake-up call going in the second half that we absolutely shouldn't need against Doncaster, uh, but it, it definitely kind of gave us a bit of a kick. Uh, we turned around the second half, but let's dwell on the first half for a second, what, what we all thought in the first 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, it was tough, wasn't it? They came out with their the cup final as it was. They're playing Everton. You know, this is probably the biggest game of their season and they were massively up for it. You could tell from the start, they really were, they were in the ascendancy and Every attack, it felt like something was going to happen. They really were on top and we did struggle to deal with them, which was surprising. It was also massively worrying because I know we haven't won this cup before in our entire history. So you're just thinking again, oh, are we going to go out this time? And thankfully we didn't, but that first half was really, really tough. And I think from them, a lot of credit to Doncaster as well. We can't just disrespect them because they're in the fourth division. They really came at it and went, you know what, we're going to give these a game and they did. And One thing I'd really like to credit Doncaster for is their set pieces. I thought that they had our players very confused on a lot of the different set pieces. They were very creative with the corners. They played short kicks and then crossed it into the box when you wouldn't expect them to. The goal in the end came from a player actually lifting it over our defence in that area where he picked up from the corner. And I think that was a key part of the game in the first half. They really did danger us on set pieces and... It looked like our players were quite worried when the when the ball was coming into the box from Doncaster because they weren't just sending it in, basically like a normal corner was. They planned this, and that's kind of further adds to the point that it was their cup final, and they did really well in the first half to be fair to them, and we couldn't really we couldn't really cope with it.
0: Yeah, set pieces is always something that I feel like we've just generally lacked with somehow. Even the, I mean, when we signed Gary Mina quite a few years ago now, I was convinced we'd score every corner under the sun, and we have the set piece takers, <laughs> and and they can be the difference in games quite easily. We've seen teams basically save themselves from relegation because of their uh, their set piece routines. And I know it's not the same thing. I know it's the uh, is it it's not the, is it the first round of the cup? I don't know, I don't know what it counts as.
1: It's the second, but it's the second first round. Enter in, so, Our yeah. first
0: round, the the official second round. But set pieces can make that massive difference, and there is one man who potentially is going to help us a lot with set pieces and he did help us a lot when he came on last night feels slightly bad for Yusuf Chimiti of course he kind of just got got taken off at half time it was a game that he would have fancied a run out and and if Beto hadn't signed yet I'm sure he probably would have played the majority of the game but Chimiti gets pulled at half time so does Nathan Patterson and, and Lewis Dobbin but before we get on to Nathan Patterson because we've definitely got something to talk about about him again it feels like he comes up every single week the big man—he's finally signed Petro from Udinese. Collar up. He's hit the post from a header. He's—he's he's got that goal. I tell you what—he is absolutely rapid for a big lad. What is he? Six foot four or something? He doesn't get get off the mark. I think he looks absolutely tremendous when he came on. I know it's against Doncaster, and I know that we're all getting very excited. And he will probably score more than Haaland this season. But it just looks nice <laughs> to have to finally got to believe it up front. No, you've got to at the end of the day because. He could have had two against Doncaster, so the rest of the Premier League will just clearly fall before him. But yeah, finally looks like we've got a striker who can he can come in whenever Calvert-Lewin's not there. He looks like a presence. He's absolutely rapid. He looks like he can score a goal. And as I said, most importantly, plays with his collar up.
1: That is the most important part, of course. But I am just, I am beaming here. Can we just do a whole podcast on better? Would you mind that? I think, I think that's what we should do. What a guy!
0: When he he scored twelve by January, we'll we'll absolutely do that. We'll just dedicate an hour to just talking about him.
1: (laughs) I think he deserves it. That, of course, I'll just start by saying yes, it was Doncaster. But watching his performance last night, it was just complete from a striker, and it gave us something that I feel, I really feel like we've been missing out on in quite a while. Um. He's come in now, obviously, he only signed the day before and he's straight into into the team on the bench. And he came on and he absolutely changed the game for us. Adrissa Garnagay also had a big impact on that change of the game. But Beto, from the moment he got the ball, he, he held it up well. He somehow he shoved a a Doncaster player off and they ended up looking like they were out cold. The strength that he had was, was insane. And at that point I was like, you know, this lad's going to be good for us. And I don't want to get overboard, but as you can tell, I'm a bit excited about this. Um, He, he held the ball up. Well, he linked play every time he got a chance. He actually did something useful with it. His goal. He took absolutely brilliantly, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. And he could have had a couple more really as well. That, Header that absolutely cannoned against the post. That could have easily gone in. And then he had one disallowed for offside, which was quite unlucky, really. If he'd received the ball a second earlier, he probably would have buried that and it had accounted. But he absolutely changed that game for us. And in reality, he's the main reason why we're in the hat for the next round.
0: Yeah, it fills me with so much confidence as well we can add as many disclaimers as we like that it, it was Doncaster, but he literally signed the day before the plug's straight in at half-time. He's clearly fit. He's ready to play for the rest of the season. Oh, it just feels good to finally have a striker. He's similar to and Of course, Chimiti, very exciting player. Not ready. He's obviously not ready. Like We all knew that when he came in. We all knew... He, we played, well against,
1: um, he played well against Wolves when he came on, to be fair, so I don't want to Absolutely. fully judge him off that one game, but it's just good that we have striker depth in general now. I look at... Having Beto, Dominic Calvert Lewin, Yusuf Chemiti, you've got three different options there, all similar mould of player. You've got a young option, you've got a senior player who can play when Dom's injured, and you also take the pressure off Dom. So I'm well happy with the attacking Yeah, there.
0: Are We say senior as well. What is he? Only 25. You know, he's still got plenty of his but three left that. That's that's what's so exciting. We've not signed a player that's not ready from not signing a player coming towards the end of their career and what was it? Week one or week two, we were sat talking about Strikers. We didn't even mention him because it looked like those rumours had kind of faded away. We were kind of having to resign ourselves to accepting that Che Adams might be the best option. Tell you what, I'm glad we haven't signed Che Adams. It looks like he might be on, uh, going on loan to Wolves. I think it's unlikely we will go back in from now. I think strike is cleared up now and whatever targets we might have for the next, what, 24 hours just over uh, for ahead of uh, the deadline. It looks like we've it looks like we've sorted uh, sorted um sorted the striking position out. So we're very excited for the rest of the season uh, with better. We may as well mention his goal now before we get onto the rest of the performances because that, that's something I mentioned. The turn of pace was unbelievable. I, I mean, so I saw somebody say that, and, uh, and we saw, of course, uh, your scout report, which is if you haven't checked it out already. You, Definitely do. Richard always, he always gives a really good insight uh, into players from the Italian league. But everyone everyone's mentioned, look, he's six foot four, but he does have this turn of pace. And he demonstrated that. It was a fantastic ball from DeCore and didn't come from nothing. But it didn't look like the chance was on. And that's what's so exciting. If we can have a striker just to produce something like that, which we do get from Calvert-Lewin as well, to be fair. like There's no point. We don't want to count them off straight away because... It was a freak injury that he picked up against Villa. Let's not forget that we've got him. I think we've now got two absolutely fantastic options uh, up front for the rest of the season and options that perfectly suit Sean Dyche. But it was a fantastic ball by DeCore. But it's it's that turn of pace. It's the strength and just the composure to finish at the end, which is why we're all getting so excited.
1: Yeah, that was the big thing for me, that finish. he The way he kind of knocked it and it just rolled in, he knew what he was doing when he got that there and he didn't panic in front of goal, which you sometimes worry about strikers. It was his debut, it was his chance to impress. He just recently missed a, a really poor miss as well, to be fair. He, he ballooned it wide and at that point, I'm sure he was thinking, I've got to rectify this, I've got to sort this out. And he absolutely did. There was that anger in him and he put the ball in the net like you could argue was a bit of a hard-on finish, to be honest. This is very much me getting carried away, but there was just calmness, there was composure. He put the ball in the net, which is something we hadn't seen this season. So I was just overjoyed when he put that in. And the way his, his collar was up, he was smiling, he looked happy to play for Everton, and he just looked so hungry for the whole game. He looked like a player who was absolutely desperate to impress for the club and in his interviews and everything that he's done so far since joining, he seemed like he really wants to play for Everton, which is just exactly what you want.
0: Yeah, and who would have known he's a, he's a massive Everton fan. I mean, uh, that that woman with the fantastic sticking the b on her Eto shirt, who, who knew that was absolutely <laughs> <Phenomenal>. pathetic, massive, <laughs> massive Eto fan. Uh, it turns out he, he had all the kit. Gerard Delefeu has been in his in his ear, uh, just like Richardson was uh, with Dan Juma before he came along. and. It's it's exactly the same, and then we should absolutely talk about Dan Juma. I thought he didn't have the most exciting game, but if he can have moments like he can, if he can find himself on that inside channel on the left, obviously where he suits best, he's he also looks very exciting.
1: Yeah, Dan Juma getting that goal was crucial, really. I think one of the main takeaways from the game is that the two players we probably needed to score most did score, and both of them getting off the mark for the season is absolutely massive, regardless of who you play playing. Dan Juma was struggled in the first half. Definitely had that chance where he probably could have done a little bit better with, but the way he took his goal was superb. The way he he kind of, he stayed calm while he he took the ball on and again and again, and then eventually hit it and put it in the bottom left corner. And it was a great finish in the end and it won us the game. And we probably could have had a couple more after that, but it did turn out to be the winner. And I do want to say as well, I thought he spoke fantastically in his post-match on Sky. I don't know if you saw it, but a real like, sense of calm about the current situation and not panicking at the fact that we hadn't won in the league yet and that he believes in the progress that the team's making and he reckons that things will turn for us soon. I thought he spoke really well.
0: Yeah, nothing better than a player that, that speaks really well, especially as long side, if they, can, if they can put the performances on the pitch. And hopefully he can. He's got that first goal now. He's had a bit of a tricky start because he did pick up that injury in pre-season. And we have been playing him centrally at times. He's obviously best off the left. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We don't want to necessarily see him alone strike. Every, that's not going to suit his game whatsoever. We need him cutting inside uh, on that, on that left channel. And... <laughs> I think we've been fairly positive about the match so far, uh, despite the fact it was only a 2-1 win uh, away at Doncaster. There are, unfortunately, some negatives that we do have to talk about. I think the first one, we've mentioned it before. I don't want anyone to think we've got some sort of agenda against him because, I, I, for the world, I, I want him to have a fantastic Everton career. But Nathan Patterson gets pulled again at halftime. To be fair, he probably wouldn't have started the game if we had any other option at, at right-back. The entire about the defensive line, the, the other three were were changed. He probably would have been rotated, but he gets pulled for Ashley Young at half time, He just—it's just not clicking for him currently, is it?
1: Yeah, he he struggled, and we have to say that he was playing in a defense that hadn't played together yet this season. And of course, he's a young player. We do have to remember that he is still young and he is still learning. And I think he's had a difficult start to the season, and a lot of that could be pointed at the fact that we haven't had a natural winger in front of him as well. So things might improve then. And yes, he is young and. He's been, you know, as a young player, he's playing every game for us. And when you have Seamus Coleman, there's that bit of backup or at least a player that can kind of mentor him when he's there. And, you know, he, he doesn't have to start every game. At the minute, the pressure is just piled on Nathan Patterson to play well and play every week because he has to play, doesn't he? Like you said, he probably would have been rotated otherwise, just purely for like the cup reasons. But he had to play and ended up not working out for him in that half. And he got subbed off, which... I was I was quite sad to see Chimiti, Dobbin and Patterson get subbed off, but it was the right thing to do in the end because it changed the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, when, when Garnaguer came on, who comes on, Ashley Young brings that bit of composure. Yeah, it, it is frustrating to see the young players go off because these are exactly the games that you want to see them given a chance in, and they were given a chance. It just wasn't going our way in the, in the first half, and Something else we can briefly touch on is we didn't immediately see James Garner starting on the right today. Uh, yesterday, sorry, So that was quite exciting. Um, starting more centrally. I mean, there's not much to say on it, but please just do that for the rest of the season. Let's get let's get another winger in, uh, before the deadline. A right winger specifically. We don't just need more left wingers, but yeah, Jimmy Garner's finally been put central, and it obviously just suits him way more. And if we do have that winger on the right ahead of Patterson, then it will probably improve his performances as well.
1: Yeah, he's probably our most naturally gifted footballer in the technical sense i think like on the ball he's really composed he's really he's got a good passing range to be fair to him and he's got a good cross on him as well to be fair he found himself in that position on kind of the edge of the deed by near the corner and he was putting in a good few crosses and i imagine better would have been quite pleased with the <laughs> the crosses that were going in after he moved to the right but like you say james garners a central midfielder and at the minute he's filling in because of the depleted squad due to injuries and i think he's You know he's done a job out there. It's not always gone ideally for him, of course, because he's not a winger. We know that. But seeing him in midfield, just that's what we that's what we really want, isn't it? I think ideally you'd look to the long term and say that if we can have James Garner and Onana as our midfield two and stick with them, I think that'd be a great pairing. And. I want to see James Garner really take some games by the scruff of the neck. Now I want to see these set pieces that everyone talks about before he joined as well. I'd love to see him start taking some more corners, taking some free kicks and really trying to get hold of a game because he is playing really well at the minute, but I can just see that he's such a talented player. There's more to come.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. We need to see him essentially for the rest of the season and, he is so technically gifted, he's he's really going to help us out on set pieces. If we can have someone on the end of them, and we've got plenty of height in the squad now for someone to get on the we end we have of them. now, haven't
1: we? Better yeah, to get got, on the end of them,
0: got ridiculous height all over the place. I mean, what Unana, Calvert Lewin, Beto Tarkovsky loves a header, Might Jared plays, but let's not bring that up. Yeah, Jared Branthwaite, of course, he's absolutely massive. We've got people to get on the end of the crosses, looks like we've got a really good set piece taker as well. So, I think we've been remarkably positive about that actually at friend of mine, the first half looked extremely sketchy and we didn't pick up the winner until the 89th minute I think I think we've done uh, pretty well there but before it we it shows kind of-
1: doesn't it I, it can a game can change the mood I think that's the big thing you know a win of any kind can change the mood around the fans around the players you know yes we beat Doncaster in the fourth division last night but we won a game so the players have got the winning feeling the fans are feeling better the new signing scored it Things like this, they do a lot for momentum and they do a lot for kind of just changing the general feel. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really happy today just because we won.
0: Yeah, generally more positive and, I mean, better. Better is the reason I'm feeling more positive today. It looks like yep. we finally got a yeah. uh for the rest of the season. But before we head on to the rest of the podcast, we will take a short break when we come back. Uh, we're going to be talking about Alex Iwobi, who looks like he could be out the door any minute on his way to Fulham. We're going to be talking about more transfers. This will be the final podcast until January that we do get to talk about transfers because, of course, well, when this goes out, the deadline uh, is, is tonight. We won't be able to make any more transfers after that. and Then a bit later on, we will look ahead to Sheffield United and hopefully another win, but join us in just a moment. Hello and welcome back to the second part of this Top of Blues podcast. we We've done the matches that have have happened in the past week. Sorry, there is one extremely important. Well, there's two important things to talk about this week, but one extremely important that's literally happening today uh, when this goes out. And that is, of course, transfer deadline day. I think most people are probably quite relieved that we can finally just stop talking about transfers. Feels like it just gets relentless uh, during the summer. We all know about uh, Wilfred Nonto, who... We might touch on because that might not be dead just yet, uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But uh, look, it, imagine it, if it's that de-
1: happens now after all. Uh, oh, right. it'd be ridiculous. Saga.
0: yeah, well, so it's deadline day now. Look, the club have kind of struggled for funds all summer. We, we've known that it's been a tricky one to operate in, but one that looks like it's pretty much materialized by the time this goes out, you might have already left. We, we don't know that recording. Corney has it, but. Looks like Alex Awobi might be on his way to Fulham for a rumoured uh, £20 million fee. He's got one year left on his contract. When Frank Lampard was still the manager, it seemed like he was almost destined to sign that new contract when he had that fantastic start to the season last year. He obviously didn't do it. It's obviously been advised that that's not a good idea. So £20 million for a player with one year left on his contract. I know how important he is creatively in the side, but you can't really blame the club if that's a deal that they take.
1: No, definitely not. With a year to go, it's it's a case of either he gets sold today, deadline day, for the people watching, or he ends up going on a free. I, I think if if it gets to January, he can start talking to other clubs on a pre contract agreement then. And if it gets to the end of the season, of course, he goes on a free. And I think it's probably time to just get the cash because that's the situation we're in. It's it's a shame that he didn't sign the deal actually, because apparently it had been on the table for quite a long time and he hasn't signed it, but He must just want a new challenge somewhere else. And the main club that he's been linked with is Fulham, isn't it? And we know that Alex Wobie's got family in London. We know he used to play for Arsenal. So you can see why Fulham would be quite an attractive prospect for him. They're not much slash any better than us at the minute. So it seems like a bit of a sideways step, but maybe he just has his heart set on London.
0: Yeah, uh, and we know that Fulham have got money to throw around now. Now, uh, Mitrovic has left. It looks like Parlinia might also leave for a ridiculous amount of money uh, before before the, the transfer deadline close. And it's so hard to talk about transfers here because by the time this goes out, we'll be approaching the, the deadline and these things might have already happened. But look, it, it looks like will. he's probably on his way out, as you said. He's probably just looking for a new challenge, moving closer to to basically his home. Um, he did play for our stuff for years. And just a player that oh, he just never really kicked on, did he? It just never really happened for him. He's obviously much better centrally than he is on the wing. He, of course, came in as a, as a winger. Of course, came in at a time where it looks, I'm pretty sure everyone thought we were going to be signing Wilfred Zaha and then ended up with a Woby. And look, yeah, I, I think he's been all right. I think he definitely massively improved when he when he was moved centrally last season. And if the club can just kind of get back as much of the fees that, that they paid for him because it was a ridiculous amount of money that we did spend on him at, at the time. It did feel like we were slightly fleeced. And with one year left on his deal, I think it just kind of makes sense for everyone. If as long as long as we can reinvest that <laughs> is the main thing. And that's maybe where the, the non-to rumours are resurfacing from, because all of a sudden we found a lot more money. I don't want us necessarily just to throw money at Leeds though for non-to-I mean it looks like they were they started pretending that they wanted 30 million at first it was 20, then it was 25, then it was 30, and he's been reintegrated into the team, now he's playing again for Leeds, it looks like they've all put that behind them, but I'm sure he'd still want the move, it looks like his agent's still going to push for the move as well, and if we do ring in Nonto now, I hope it's not for silly money. Just because we've got the money to spend doesn't mean we should just throw it at them. There are other options. Of course, we've been linked with sulimana from Southampton in all window, but apparently he has a £30 million release clause, which is just a lot of money. I don't want us, <laughs> us to see spending, us spending that on him. And the club clearly wanted him on some sort of loan without an option to buy or with an option to buy. But when you're in Southampton's position, there's absolutely no point in them doing that. He could definitely help them in the in the championship if they get him fully reintegrated and the one name that we are being pretty solidly linked with now is, of course, Maxwell Corney. Linked up already with Dyche at Burnley. Clearly, Deich was was a big fan. Joined West Ham when Burnley got relegated. He's had a couple of injury problems. He he does have that really niche medical thing I, I've got no idea about. There was that article about it that he, he does have this really rare problem uh, with his leg. But... Maxwell Corny, how do you feel about that? Because he was a player that was definitely linked when when Burnley went down and ended up going to, to West Ham. But wouldn't be a terrible replacement, especially on loan, which is what the rumour seems to be.
1: Yeah, I think a loan would be a good start because then you can kind of assess whether his injury is that bad and whether he would be able to play regular games for us. And if he plays a lot, then you could look at securing that and making it permanent. I think he's more likely of an option than... Wilfred Nonto and Kamaldine and Sulemana. As for Nonto, I think it seems dead in the water now after he's been reintegrated into Leeds. The new owners are playing hardball, etc. I don't think we'll go back in for him now with one day to spare. Suleimana, I'd have loved to have him on loan, but like you say, you don't want to be like forking out 30 million pounds for him yet i think that's kind of a release cause that's been set to scare other clubs away really yeah. and you know he, he probably would but i believe he'll certainly become a player of that caliber eventually but it's probably not the time to pull the trigger 30 million wise on him corne is the cheaper option is probably the more realistic option if i was to put any money on anyone coming in tomorrow i'd probably say it'd be him it seems like the most links are around him at the moment. He was at Burnley, he played for Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche likes him, we know. So I think he could be a decent option for us. He's versatile, which is important. He played quite a lot under Dyche and he did well when he played up front for them. He played on the left wing as well. And then I think at Leon he actually played at left back as well. So maybe Dyche is thinking of that versatility, which when you sometimes have a depleted squad because of injuries, like the injury crisis we're going through now, it's good to have players who can play multiple positions and he could be a good option for us. He's a player that when he was at Leon, I really, really wanted. And then he went to Burnley and then he actually went to West Ham and it really didn't work out at West Ham. He's been plagued by injuries. And like you say, there's been rumours that he has a, a rare calf condition. So if that's the case, then of course, the club has to assess whether he is actually going to be able to stay fit. I'm sure they'll have done the due diligence on that because we wouldn't just sign a player that's going to be out all season of course, but I think it's a player that would be a decent option and a loan would be a lot better than the permanent just because you don't take as much of a risk then.
0: Yeah, absolutely and it, it looks like West Ham are going to try and sign Philip Kostic again. They were definitely linked with him last year, weren't they? And It didn't quite work out. He plays very similar in terms of versatility to um, uh, to Corne and uh, Corney is versatile, don't get me wrong, but he's also just another left-hand sided player. It's a right winger that we we've definitely needed for a long time. And if you look at his stats here, I mean, when he came, he came to Burnley, it wasn't their season, don't get me wrong. But they didn't have a great season. They ended up going down. When they sacked out, of course, he made 21 starts and he scored nine goals. That could be so important. It's that kind of player if he could chip in seven or eight. Goals, it just massively just alleviates the pressure on the rest of the team. I mean, it was Dwight McNeil was our top scorer last season with like four or five or something.
1: Seven. I mean,
0: yeah, exactly. It's just it's just awful, really. And, if you can have a winger, if you've got a striker that's firing, absolutely fantastic. If you've got players around him that that can take the pressure off him, that that helps a lot more. But he then goes to West Ham. He only really made two starts last season, and he played 245 minutes because of this injury. And as you said, the club won't be signing him if they haven't done his due diligence on on the on his on this rare condition. They must think he can stay fit, and it. I don't want to talk about the, the likelihood of it because we absolutely don't know. It's always going to be speculation, but it's a player I definitely wouldn't be opposed to. If we're bringing in 20 mil for Woby. we're then bringing in Corne on loan. Not the same kind of player, don't get me wrong, because in terms of the creativity, it's kind of nowhere near the same. And Woby's played a lot more centrally for us. We would probably need to replace him with a more central player, despite the fact that he has been on the wing. We know that one of the only players at the club that can play on the right wing I know that Jack Harrison can when he eventually comes back after the international break, but I think there's plenty of business to be done. I I can't imagine that the club won't spend the Awobi money. I know that we brought in that 45 million for Gordon in January and it, and it went nowhere, but the club have been operating on such a tight budget. I think that that Gordon money was definitely just to kind of keep the business running at that point. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily meant to be reinvested, which is really unfortunate. It's not a position that we want to be in by any means, but I think if the club at this point get 20 mil for a will Kevin Thelwell and Sean Dyche I'm going to let the club not give them the funds to replace him because he is a very creative player for us, he does create a lot of chances despite the fact he's not that high up on the on the goal and assist chart it's, his stats don't always look tremendous, I know he creates a lot of chances but he is an important player, on the eye I've seen people say that he just kind of looks a bit average and I, I do slightly agree with that, I do get where people are coming from, I think that Maybe he's just not developed into the kind of player that we hoped that he would because he did have that bright start at Arsenal. He then faded away. We then spent too much money on him. If we could bring in 20 mil for him, he's got a year left on his contract. It's just a good... It's a financial deal for the club, let's be honest. It's not a deal that ideally they'd they'd be wanting to do with so little time to replace him. But if he leaves for 20 million and we manage to reinvest it before the deadline, I think you've just got to accept that, really.
1: Yeah, I think... $20 $20 million coming in, of course, we might not get all of that in one go, but you'd imagine that they'd already have planned for his departure because this has been in the reckoning now for quite a while. Obviously, the contract was put on the table quite a few months ago, and they'll have always envisaged that at some point he might leave. I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted it to be on deadline day, but if it is, I'd hope that there's someone ready to push the button on who they can bring in, whether that's a midfielder or a winger is... I, we don't know actually what's going to happen just yet, whether that'll be a midfielder or a winger, whether we will replace him with a central player or whether Deitch sees him as losing a wide option. The winger links seem to be coming a lot more frequently than the central midfield links. Uh, Johan Bakayoka, who was linked, now looks set to join Brentford. And as for central midfielder links, there really hasn't been too many. A few people talk about Adam Wharton at, at Blackburn and say that you know he's a fantastic player, a young player. 19 years old, so might not really replace Owobi just yet. But there isn't many links centrally. So I think if they were to replace him, they'd be looking at bringing another winger in to kind of pad out those wide options, which if we brought one more in, I think we'd be really healthy on the wings. We'd have uh, Dan Juma, Harrison, McNeil, and a further wide player along with Lewis Dobbin. I think you'd be packed out then and it'd be just what we need. But the central thing's an interesting one as to whether they see Owobi as... A central player that would be losing rather than a wide player,
0: yeah, certainly. And another player that looks like he might depart—it's been a rumor that's been going on all summer—is of course Tom Cannon. He had the, he had a really decent spell uh, last season in the in the championship on that loan for the second half of the season. It looks like he was almost set to join Preston on loan again, and that kind of fell through. Now clubs are circling for a more permanent deal. Uh, he had he had links, uh, really strong links to Norwich. It now looks like Leicester and Southampton might come in for him and. I think with Tom Cannon, it's one of those earlier in in the window that when we we desperately needed funds, we knew that every penny was going to count. If we could bring in, what, eight, nine million for an Academy prospect, it looks healthy on the books. You know, Everyone was going to be kind of happy. But towards the end of the window now, if we do bring in this Adobe money, I don't know. I'm really on the fence about it, really. I know that now his pathway to strikers, the starting position has been entirely blocked, and him and his agent will be trying to force the move because... We've signed Shemiti now in his position. Uh, we've signed Beto. We've got Calvert and It looks like he's not really destined for first team football anytime soon. So I guess if the club can demand a, a decent bit of money from anything near ten million, the eight nine that's that's being quoted would be pretty decent. I'm sure he'll probably go on to have a very good career, but it looks like he's probably going to be on his way out, and that's almost seemed destined for for the entire summer.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's a sad one. Really, he's one of them players who has really impressed so far, especially at Preston. And he only had half a season at Preston, remember. So he's not yet had the chance to really prove himself for a full season in the championship. And from what he showed last season, he looks like a real talent. And it's one that I, if I were Everton, I'd be making sure that we still have some sort of a grip of when we do let him go for example, sell-on clauses, buy-back clauses, get them all in. I, I really would hope that we would do that. I imagine we would because we did it with Niels and Kunku, and I think I'd be looking at getting a buyback clause in a, for a, a relatively decent price because he could go to the championship next year, and I wouldn't put him past him to go and score 15 goals in the championship next year. He really could. So I'd just be looking at making sure we can kind of you know, keep the asset at arm's length rather than fully letting go. But what do you think of Canon? Were you impressed with what you saw of the stats wise at Preston and would you be happy to let him go if it was the right price? I'd be more thinking let him go on loan this year and then reassess in a year because I think his price would be more by then.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's a problem we kind of find ourselves in because we have no money that the club would probably ideally be looking to loan him out there was that rumour that he was going back to Preston for that 1 million loan fee and we all thought that looked like fantastic business 1 million loan fee but the club had probably ended up looking at him as as, a, as an asset to sell uh, we've seen it with a couple of academy players already we've seen Ellis Sims leave Samuel Smith was one of those way earlier in the window that we were all getting excited about because they brought in a tiny bit of money and I think that the club were looking to sell him once they've signed Chimiti they've also now signed Beto I think this probably all just changed I completely agree with you. You've got to keep something in him. You can't just let him go for eight, nine mil and, and that be that. I doubt the club, most clubs probably won't agree to a buyback clause, especially if we're selling them to you know, Southampton or Leicester, who they will expect to be back in the Premier League next season. They won't want a buyback clause on him. Some sort of sell-on clause, as you said, as we've had with Uncunkey. It looks like he's off to Frankfurt. It looks like we might pocket a bit of money from that. It, it does work out. It's one of those where if you can't find a way in for your youth players, you get a decent fee for them, but just keep a little bit in the contract just in case that they do go on to be the kind of player that I'm sure the club expected him to be. It's a, it's a bit disheartening. Of course, you always want to see the academy prospects come through, but his pathway is entirely blocked now. He'll will want, be wanting to leave. He'll want first team football, and the club will probably think we're not going to be able to give him first team football for a few years. There's no point in letting him run down his contract. He's got still got a couple of years left in his contract, and I think. If they can get the fee from now, it makes it does make a lot of sense for all parties, and he is easily one I, I could see leaving. But twenty million for a, a Worby. I mean, we don't know how much though. We will get of that up front. What eight, seven, eight, nine for for Cannon? Looks like we might have a bit to spend on, on deadline days. So. Hopefully, the club don't let us down. It's so hard to tell so far. Maybe deals have already developed by the time this goes out. We have no idea. We have had busy deadline days in the past, of course. Let's not forget the the Yeri Mina and the Andre Gomez when Kurt Zuma came in on loan last minute and was probably our best centre-half that season. You just you just never know, really, uh, what might develop. But it looks like they might have a bit of money to play with. Hopefully, they don't just splash it all on Nonto because the club have obviously been trying to negotiate hard for them and there's no point in just throwing that all out the window just because... Now you've got a bit of money to spend. Uh, I think that would be quite daft, but I think that's probably all we could really talk about for transfers for now. I'm sure there's going to be so many developments that by the time anyone's listening to this, it's all kind of become outdated. You know, Cannon's left on loan and and Wobie's gone nowhere, but we'll have to see. But the final thing that we do need to talk about is of course football. Uh, we are playing Sheffield United this uh, this weekend. It's another massive match. We've had such a nice run of fixtures to start the season off. Obviously, we haven't we haven't made the most of them. We haven't made anything of them so far. We're on zero points. But Sheffield United are a team that again we just we should be beating. Uh, in terms of a bit of injury news, uh, Calvert-Lewin won't be back. Uh, it looks like after the press conference today, um, he required a bit of surgery, and I think he's back with the team. But he's probably not going to be back after all of his injury records. I think it's unlikely he's ever going to be rushed back by Sean Daisie at any point. Especially now he got better. There's no point in just forcing him back uh, into the team. McNeil's back training with the group. Hopefully we can get him back. He won't be fully up to sharpness, of course, because he's barely played any football for a really long time. I doubt we'll see him starting, but if he's on the bench, it'll be a lift to to everyone, another player who can whip one into better. That'll be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jack Harrison is a trainer with Sports scientists, so he's not back training with the team yet. He's still a bit of a way off, but the club clearly had a plan for him when They brought him in on Lewin. They were they were they knew he wouldn't be ready until after the international break. And uh, Deli Ali's back uh training on the, on the grass. I'm not sure we'll see a feature this season uh at all, really. But it's in terms of that team news, it's nothing really overwhelming. I don't think we'll end up seeing any of those, um, especially not Calvert Lewin you know, or McNeil. I doubt we'll see them starting. So I think it'll be a, what, a relatively similar team. I think we'll probably see Beto starting straight away. I think he'll have it couple of days of training. Sorry about that. Something just fell off my desk. Uh, I think we'll have a couple of days training and I think you will be in. But are you feeling kind of confident? I know we, that we say this every week. We keep saying that, yeah, this, this is a game that we can win. But come on now, we do not. <laughs> I said in the first week, you don't want to lose your first game. So in the second week, you don't want to be going without a point. Third week, absolutely not. Fourth week, it's now just non-negotiable. We cannot be losing our first four games of the season with the fixtures that we've had.
1: No, we can't. And it's a big opportunity to win, isn't it? It's probably a game on paper that's arguably the best away fixture that we have all season. One of, certainly. And, you know, we can't discount that Sheffield United have always had a history of being quite good at home in whatever division they were in. You know, they've got a great fan base, a great stadium and can generate a real like vociferous atmosphere at Bramall Lane. And I know that is a difficult thing to play in and actually a team who nearly fell victim to that last week was Manchester City who got pushed right to the end to be fair to them to be fair to Sheffield United and I thought they'd nicked a point when Bogle managed to grab that equaliser but it's just in typical Manchester City style Rodri goes and bullets that one home and it it was a joke of a finish to be fair like Rodri just only scores important goals and it was a brilliant winner for them and now they've ended up with zero points after three games when really they probably didn't deserve it, which is quite a familiar story because we don't deserve to be on zero points either. So I think it'd be a difficult game, but it's a game that we've got to be looking at as to try and take three points and hopefully Beto can fire us to that. He's my, yeah. uh, He's the one I'm hanging my hat on. I think he'll be the man to get us a goal.
0: Yeah, so in terms of that front line, then what, what are you expecting? Are you expecting Dan Juma and Better to score? Who do you then, no, not score, sorry, start? <laughs> I am, score? I'm hoping to. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I'm also excited, I'm hoping for the, the to score. Uh, Better Dan Juma, are we going to see Jimmy Garner on the right? Who knows? What, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, it'd be interesting to see what they do with, um, with Lewis Dobbin because he came off at half time in the Doncaster game. He didn't have the best of games, but he's a young lad. Of course, they've got to be patient with him. And it'd be a real, um, you know, stake of confidence if they put him in the side again on Saturday. I hope they do because he was bright um, against Wolves. You know, he he kind of took that responsibility to beat a player. And I know that that's not like everything that you need to be a winger, but the fact that he is being positive and bright, I think that he will offer us something. Dan Juma and Beto are non negotiables. They will be in the side I'm pretty certain of that and I think yeah the, the other decision is basically around whether it's James Garner or Lewis Dobbin I imagine away from home we might go with the more conservative option and just stick James Garner there on the right because perhaps you might see more out of Garner on the wing on Saturday because he's got a tall striker to put the ball in and we know he's got a good cross on him a good pass on him so you might actually see James Garner be quite productive on Saturday from the wing
0: yeah maybe I mean in terms if. If Dijkstra says that he wants to really go for it early on, I think we'll probably see Dobbin starting. He's put a lot of confidence in Lewis Dobbin, which is really not he something is. I think anybody expected going into the season. I think maybe most credit people credit to Lewis to... Dobbin, really. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe most people expect him to go out loan when you compare his loan spell with Tom Cannon's. I think Cannon was kind of much higher in everyone's expectations, but because of Dobbin's versatility, he's ended up higher in the in the pecking order and well, fair play to him. Uh, as you say, I think he's done really well. so He's being asked to do a lot. I do agree, though. I think we'll probably see Garner on the right again. Unfortunately, whoever, if we sign anyone tomorrow, it's unlikely they're going to feature because of that registration window. I doubt we'll sign anyone before 12. So it's unlikely we'll see uh, anyone if we do sign them tomorrow. So same back four as always. Really, there's not much to do there. It'll be Ashley Young. Hopefully, Jared Bransway. I do not want to see Michael Keane. Uh, James Harkovsky will play, Pickford will play, Patterson will have to play because we don't have another option there. Despite the fact that Young did come on there, maybe Daesh might have seen something in Mikolenko last night that he looked excited about. I think that's unlikely. It wasn't an exceptional performance by him either. And I think the midfield's fairly set in stone now as well um, <clears throat> between De- Decore, Unada and Gage. So I think it'll be a relatively, I think it's quite obvious what the team will be. And the last thing that we can really talk about is, uh, is score predictions. We haven't got a single one right so far, so we may as well give it another a go.
1: Hmm. Well, maybe we should just go completely wild and hope that we don't jinx any scoreline. Maybe I should just say 7-0 and then at least I've not cancelled out 1-0 because it seems whatever I say just won't happen now because I must jinx it. So, whew. There's something really weird in my brain telling me that we're going to win 3-0 and suddenly all the goals are just going to fly in. So, Bet no hat-trick is okay. what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking. You're <laughs> thinking Betno's going to come in score a hat-trick. All three are going to be
0: assisted by by and They're all going to be corners. It's all going to be magic.
1: <laughs> well, I'm uh, going to have it's... to say... I, I, I had to say that because if that happened and I didn't say it on the podcast, then you know I, I would have missed out on the best prediction of all time. So 3-0 Everton. Beto is going to get on the score sheet. I feel like I'm being a bit overly optimistic here, but why not? If that was what came to my head first, then that's what I'm going with. So, is yours quite as optimistic?
0: Uh, No, more actually. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I,
1: five, I five. I'm, we want five. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I do I do think we see Beto score. I think we might see Dan Jumas. I think it would be the same score as but... Oh, the defence is just looking slightly shaky still. I want Branthwaite to start. I, I hope he starts. I think he probably will start, to be fair, because Keane and Godfrey played in that game midweek. It's clear that now that they're the second they they're second in the pecking order, he is established centre-halves will now be Branthwaite and Tarkovsky. I'm so excited for them to get loads of minutes together, build that partnership. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, as you said. The, the, the atmosphere is always fantastic at, at Sheffield United, and we all remember what happened with uh, Daniel Jefferson the last day we were there. So that we don't wanna we don't wanna think about that too much. Uh but that does bring us pretty much bring us to the end of the podcast for this week. Ellis, as always, uh thank you very much. Are you, are you excited for Deadline Day?
1: Yeah, I can't wait. It's always fun, isn't it? You know, transfers coming and hopefully we get to see one or two. I I'd love to see two players come in. That's the dream for me. I think it's probably more likely to be one. I think We'll definitely sign somebody, so it's always an exciting day regardless, and like we've discussed, there could be outgoings as well, so Everton will be active, I'm sure of that, I think it'll be a busy day for the Blues.
0: Yeah, same, Uh, I think we've got to bring in someone, I think we'll definitely see a loan, maybe a permanent as well, I can't see us finishing deadline day without a loan, I think a loan's almost guaranteed, whoever it may be, (laughs) probably Corny. Uh, but yeah thank you all very much for watching or, or listening however you are consuming the podcast uh, check out all the other social media as I mentioned check out that scout report that Ellis did uh, on Beto uh, we'll have a Chef United preview also featuring Alice. can't get enough of Ellis at the moment on the channel <laughs> it'll also be on that uh, that'll be out at some point this weekend uh, and I believe we'll probably have a live stream about deadline day as well so if you are listening just before uh, the deadline uh, do check that out so thank you all very much for listening or watching uh, and join us next week goodbye